You know your marriage is stable when. And at this point, you are supposed to fill in the blank. Let me fill in the blank with the topic of this podcast. You know your marriage is stable when you can have sexually oriented conversations with your spouse. Outside of having intimate discussions about what the Lord is doing in your life, which is a deeply personal conversation, especially if you're going to get into the innermost areas of your thought life with another person, that is intimate, that is personal, that is in-depth. But there's probably no other kind of marital talk that reveals the strength of your relationship than sexually oriented conversations. Because if you're going to have those types of discussions with your spouse, you have to be vulnerable, open, transparent, honest, weak, deeply personal, self-disclosing. And if your goal is, which I hope it is, to continue to grow in your one fleshness, then the more one flesh you become, the more personal, deeper the conversations are going to be. And because we are sexual beings... It just stands to reason that having sexual-oriented conversations with your spouse has to be part of the discussion if you're going to grow in your one-fleshness. Welcome to the podcast. This is Rick Thomas. You are listening to Your Daily Drive. You can also read this podcast if you want to. It's a 200—I'm sorry, it's a 2,000-word article on our website. The title of the article, the title of the podcast is— having sexual conversations with your spouse. I hope it's helpful for you, and it would be wonderful if you need a good template to work through this conversation with your spouse. I would encourage you to use this article. You can print it off. You can send the link to your spouse. You can look at it on your mobile device, maybe laying in bed at night, talking, reading through it, just having a a deeply personal and intimate conversation. We must include our sexuality in these conversations. Again, if we want to mature in our one fleshness, I want to jump into that, but I I want to cover two things people do right from time to time, and they ask about supporting our ministry and Of course, the primary way that you can do that is by becoming a supporting member or by, you know, making donations, which many do on a regular basis, and I'm grateful for that. But I know that everybody can't do that, cannot do that, but they can still help our ministry. And one of the easier ways that you can help our ministry, this might not occur to you, but is to like us on Facebook. That helps if you like us on Facebook. Go to our Facebook page, Rick Thomas Net. That is our business page, our ministry page, and just click the like button. If you are listening to this podcast on your mobile phone, just stop right now and go to the Facebook page and like it. Why does that help? Well, it opens a door to more and more people that can listen or read uh, our resources. And that's the point. Our point is to spread the fame of God through this ministry by making contact with as many people as possible. And perhaps you're not in a place where you can donate or become a member or support financially, but you can do that. If you just like us on your Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, uh, 
Instagram. We have 20 social media platforms, but the primary one that we use is Facebook. And so if you would, I would really appreciate. The second thing is some people want to help, but they either don't know how or they don't realize that we could use help. And one of the areas that we can use help is in your skill set, something that you do well that would work well with our ministry. I don't know what that may be, making videos or editing or publishing books or doing social media. I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a web development, you know, writing code, working on our website, making our website more uh, user-friendly. I don't know what those things are, but there's something that you may have a skill set. And so as you look at our ministry, as you participate with our ministry, and you think, wow, man, you could do this better, and I can help. You can volunteer and say, hey, I want to give so much time, and this is what I do well, and Rick, you really need this. (laughs) That would be fantastic. And so if you have an area and you're looking for ministry and it works with what we're doing and you can make a certain aspect of our ministry better, please let me know. Uh, that would be fantastic. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It is harder and harder to keep up. In fact, I don't keep up anymore. That day is long past. I can't keep up any longer because there's too many things that are going on. And so if you want to share your skill set, Whatever it may be, I don't know. And if you don't know, but there's something that you do and you're not sure if it would work with what we're doing, then just ask. We'll let you know. But if you're willing to volunteer your gifting, your skills uh, to our ministry, I would love to talk to you. Again, if you want to read this podcast, Having Sexual Conversations with Your Spouse, go to rickthomas.net. Look for that title. You can type it into the search box, and you can read all about read all about it. Though we live in a sexually explicit culture, where promiscuous thinking and behaving is normative, it's the way everybody. Well, no, I'm sorry. It's the way an overwhelming number of people in our culture live. Many Christian husbands and wives are still intimidated about having God-centered, biblically-motivated sex talks, sexually-oriented conversations. There's an irony here. Our culture seems to be head over heels in love with sex and sexuality for all the wrong reasons, but yet Christian husbands and wives are still inhibited from having these kinds of conversations. Now, there's many reasons for this problem, The main one being our Adamic inherited fear that impacts every sphere of our thoughts and actions. The closer you press toward spiritual and physical intimacy, the more difficult it will be for you to be vulnerable with other people. I mean, this is the way our small group life is. The more you want to be intimate, in a small group setting about your real self, the more difficult it is because it's hard to be vulnerable with other people. Well, you translate that into a marriage relationship where we want to be spiritually and physically intimate. It's hard because of our Adamic inherited fear. 
In Genesis 2, 16 and 17, God said, he commanded, saying, you, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you do eat, you shall surely die. And the two fundamental breakdowns after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden were their relationships with God and each other. A part of the death that came upon them is a brokenness within the relationship between them and God and them and each other. The Lord told them if they sinned, there would be a severing of his protective and sovereign care. Adam and Eve ignored his warning by sinning anyway, and the fear factor kicked in shortly after that. Our fallen, fearful state is why some people are in, intimidated about discussing their relationship with God. For example, in Genesis 3.10, when God came to Adam and Adam said, I, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Fear came upon Adam and Eve immediately after they chose to be disobedient. Of course, we are born in Adam. That is why I said that we have this Adamic inherited fear. Adam and Eve became afraid of God after they sinned. Their fearfulness not only affected the spiritual dynamics of their lives, but it also affected them physically. God became distant, and they became sexually confused. We're all born with a sense of shame and, and guilt. We have this internally awkward awareness that compels us to want to hide, to hide from God, to hide from each other, which is why there is a direct correlation between how a person relates to God spiritually and how he relates to his wife sexually. The God-influenced man will have a healthy view and practice of sex, and the same goes for his wife. The godless man or the godless woman will have an unbiblical view and practice of sex. Your perspective, your attitude, your practice of sexuality is proportional to your perspective and attitude and walk with the Lord. The way you re relate to the Lord will determine proportionally how you relate to sexual type things. Adam and Eve broke their relationship with God, and it spun them into sexual confusion, among many other things, as you know. Sexual dysfunction makes sense because God is the author of sex. He made Adam and Eve for the enjoyment of each other. Sex was God's idea. It was not until sin entered the world that our thinking about sex became chaotic. Though discussions about sex can go in different directions, what I want to do in this podcast is I want to highlight just two areas where sin can easily break a husband and wife down while keeping them from being naked and unashamed with each other. You remember after God brought Eve to Adam, it said the eyes of them were both open. Of course, they sinned. The eyes of them were both open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. That's Genesis 3, 6. But prior to that, they were not ashamed. 
And so what I want to do is I want to highlight two areas. Area number one, sin will keep a man from talking about his sexual temptations. And number two, sin will tempt a woman to be offended by his or husband's sexual attractions. This is these are two huge areas that inhibit a husband and wife from coming together and being more intimate and more one flesh because one a man will keep from talking about his sexual temptations, and then the woman will be offended by his sexual attractions. And because of these two realities, many couples are never able to openly and humbly discuss how sin is captivating them, even to the degree of keeping sexually oriented secrets from each other. Lust tempts the husband easily, and insecurity hinders the wife from engaging him in humble discussions about sex-related problems. Those are the two issues. Lust will tempt a man easily, and if his wife is tempted by insecurity, it will hinder her from engaging him in humble discussions about sex-related problems. And so the onus is on both the husband and the wife to deal with their primary temptations openly and honestly with each other. A lack of communication is a formula for secret keeping. It's a formula for anger, sexual frustration, communication breakdowns, bitterness, unforgiveness, and even resentment. Now, I'm sure you can add a few more labels to the mix, but you get the idea. If a husband and wife do not fight for biblically appropriate sexual discussions, they will never be able to realize the fullness of the marriage God offers to them. Sex is a deeply spiritual moment for two people who love God and each other. When omnipresent God is ruling the heart of a man and a woman who are physically intimate, they are enjoying the most profound human communal experience possible within a relationship. Think about the sexual relationship between Adam and Eve before Genesis 1 to, uh, before Genesis 3, rather, before they fell into sin. It was God, it was Adam, it was Eve with no sin to interrupt their thoughts or their actions. Now, grasping such things as that is hard because we don't live in that world, and we never lived in that world where there was no sin. But the good news for us is because of the power of the gospel, the freedom of forgiveness, and the enablement of the Spirit, we can come to a close approximation of the physical intimacy Adam and Eve enjoyed before sin. And so I want to deal with these two primary problems that hinder a couple from having sexually oriented conversations. One, lust tempts men. Number two, insecurity tempts women. Let's take the first one, lust tempts men. Before a couple can come to this kind of close approximation, Genesis 1 and 2, of physical intimacy, they must deal with the reality of sin. They must not ignore sin. It is real, and sin is divisive. You have to deal with the reality of sin. And when it comes to sex, there are two competing interests interest vying for the mind of the man. 
One, he was wired to enjoy sex. And number two, sinful thinking distorts his attitude toward sex. This is a real problem with a man. You can like it. You can hate it. You can own it. You can talk about men being pigs, whatever. But the truth is God wired Adam to enjoy sex, but unfortunately sin came, and now sin distorts the man's attitude toward sex. This sexual confusion means a man must be honest about how sexual realities play out in his mind. It also means his wife must have have the grace to provide a context for him to share his truest thoughts about sexual temptations. Adam and Eve were controlled by shame and guilt after they sinned. God was no longer the governing and motivating power behind their actions. Sin ruled their hearts, which exposed their nakedness and shame in a wicked way. The first thing a man must do is is counteract the awkwardness about having sexual discussions with his wife. He has, In order to do that, he has to fix any brokenness that exists in his relationship with God. Remember, it always starts with God. You cannot have sexually appropriate conversations with your spouse if your relationship with God is not the way that it should be. Conversations about sex originate from the heart, not the lip. Therefore, the heart, the man's heart, if it is not right with God, the kind of speech he has with his wife about sexual things will not be appropriate. His heart must be adjusted first, vertically. Too many individuals miss this important step. If they ever get the gumption to share their temptations with their wives, they usually do do so before spending adequate time with the Lord. Your heart must be calibrated by God before you start talking about your sexual temptations with your wife. Keeping in step with the Spirit means being like-minded with the Spirit on sexual things. If the Spirit is illuminating and guiding your sexual speech, you should be equipped to engage your wife with the fruit of the Spirit. As you have this conversation, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These should be the governing elements in your life as you begin to talk to her about the deeper struggles that you have with sex and sexuality. Point number one, lust tempts men And to some degree, at some level, they need to be maturing their wives and helping them, bringing them into the discussion as much as they are able. Now, I realize that many husbands and wives, for whatever reasons, they are not mature enough to have these kinds of conversations. And that's why the husband wants to begin by calibrating his heart with God, by God, so he can begin thinking about bringing his wife into this one flesh conversation because men do have a problem. Lust tempts them. The second issue is insecurity tempts women. All relationships are about giving and receiving. Now, what I've said thus far is I've been addressing the heart of the speech giver, the giver, the husband, when it comes to talking about his struggles and temptations regarding sex, but it is just as incumbent on the speech receiver 
the wife to have a right relationship with God so she can hear from the Lord as she listens to her husband. She too needs a healthy, biblical, strong, vibrant relationship with God so that she can receive the humble, vulnerable conversation that her husband needs to have with her. And one of the cool things about the gospel is how it creates an environment where two people can be honest with each other. Again, as I said at the onset of this podcast, it's one of the most challenging conversations that you will have. And the reason for that, as I've already made a case for, is because we are living in a post-Genesis 3 world and we are covered in fig leaves and we're, uh, we experience shame and guilt and insecurity and fear. And it's hard to step up to this kind of maturity. And our culture is so distorted and so confused. And we have been part of that culture for so long that we are distorted and confused too. And so what I am saying can almost sound like an unknown tongue to some spouses because it is so much in another universe, a gospel-centered universe. The ability to be gracious on the wife's part and to be receptive. It's two of the many things, gracious and receptivity. Christians, it's what we love about God. God is gracious and he's receptive to us. He will not judge or condemn us when we bear our souls to him. This truth was why the psalmist could boldly inquire of the Lord when he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there is any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. He could come boldly before God because he knows that God will be gracious and receptive And he is asking God to search his heart. That is a pattern, a template of the kind of relationship that you want to be moving toward with your wife, with your spouse. How emboldening is that? God gives us incredible confidence to be honest with him. And we know he will kindly steward our problems. It releases us to have that kind of honesty with the Lord. Imitating God in the realm of awkward conversations begs the question for wives. How are you imitating God as far as creating a context for your husband to be honest with you? Remember, women are tempted by insecurity as men are tempted by lust. How are you handling your insecurities so that you can create a context for your husband to be honest with you about his problems? Your approachableness does not mean he will be honest with you. I'm not saying that if you are approachable that he will be honest, but that is not the concern at this moment. The concern is you want to imitate your Lord by providing a context where you're for your husband to be weak and vulnerable regarding his sin problems, whatever they may be. If you're not able to do this, then your first call to action is to repair your relationship with God, just like it is with the guy. If the husband can't be honest with his wife, then there's something broken in his relationship with God. If the wife cannot receive her husband's conversation about his brokenness, then there's something wrong with her relationship with God. The biblical word for insecurity is fear, by the way. 
Adam and Eve were insecure because of their broken relationship with God. And your insecurity is as strong as your relationship with the Lord is weak. Let me restate that. Your insecurity is as strong as your relationship with the Lord is weak. The God-empowered, God-centered, and God-motivated woman is standing in God's strength and will not be overcome by her spouse's problems. Your husband's temptations will reveal what kind of relationship you have with the Lord. If you place more hope in his ability to keep from sinning, Rather than the Lord's power to stabilize you during disappointments, your strength will only be as strong as your husband's ability not to fail. Let's make this practical. Perhaps you're not able to have these types of sexual conversations with your spouse. I suspect that most people listening to this podcast, for whatever reason, cannot have this conversation with their spouses. I realize there are many complicating reasons for this. If you're not able to enter into a biblically-centered sexual discussion, then the first place to begin is with prayer. Ask the Lord to do a great work of grace in your heart. He is willing to do that for the humble person. Lay your soul before Him, asking Him to provide the grace you need to be a God-governed spouse. Now, maybe your spouse will never change. Maybe this is a bridge too far. But their change should never interfere with how the grace of God operates in your life. Be daring. Ask him to search your heart, and if he reveals evil in you, repent. Be free from sin. Not because your spouse is going to change, or again, maybe they never will change, but that doesn't or that shouldn't hinder you from being free from whatever hinders you. And so after you lay your soul bare before the Lord, begin to make plans to enter into a discussion with your spouse. Approach your spouse with grace and courage. Be like Adam and Eve when sin was not present with them. You, you can do this if you have removed your sin through the grace-effective means of repentance. If your spouse is not interested in going further with you, be at peace. Be released from the temptation of a bad attitude towards your spouse. You've done what you can do. As Paul said in Romans 12, 18, if possible, as far as it depends on you. Maybe there will be another time and another season for you to re-enter this discussion with your spouse. If your spouse is not interested in going further with you, ask the Father to bring a friend of the same sex into your life to provide encouragement and care for you. Now, let me give you a caveat here. This kind of accountability, this kind of attention from a friend should never be about your spouse's faults. Your communication should be about you, maturing you in the Lord. Don't slander or devalue your spouse before others. If your spouse is interested in going further with you and your heart has been adjusted by the Lord, by all means, begin talking to your spouse. Use discernment, wisdom, grace when you begin sharing your heart. Typically, in situations like these, the other spouse has not spent the same amount of time in prayer and reflection. One spouse is almost always ahead of the other spouse, spiritually speaking, 
And so never assume you're in the same place or at the same level of maturity, willingness, or humility. Be measured but courageous. Lead your spouse in these conversations. If you're the wife, you should still take the lead. My wife is my number one discipler. She leads me well when I'm not doing a great job at it. I praise God for these things that he has given her and her initiative to humbly share those things with me. And so if it is possible to have sexual conversations with your spouse, I pray that this article here will be a template to give you a foundational understanding of how we got into such a mess as this, what our individual temptations are, generally speaking, men are tempted to lust, women are tempted to insecurity, and how those two things conflict with each other, and how two spouses can come together humbly, courageously, transparently talking, and if one spouse is not interested There are some things here for you to consider, as I have covered, because I do know in probably the majority of cases, two spouses will not come to this kind of transparent conclusion at the same time. One spouse will be way ahead and willing, but he or she can't enter into those conversations because of the immaturity of their spouse. And so there's a lot to think about here, and if we can help you, I would love to help you to grow in one fleshness deeper and deeper and deeper as you come closer and closer together in a greater intimacy, which does mean part of that greater intimacy is about sex and sexuality. So if we can serve you, please let us know, and it would be a pleasure to do so. Thank you so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.